This episode is brought to you by CovenantSpice.com, the fun, safe, and affordable way for Christian couples to take their sex life to the next level. Well, you've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, and welcome to 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, indeed. Um, I hope that the holidays have been fantastic wherever you've been and celebrated it with your family this this holiday season. And I hope that as you look forward into a brand new year, um, there's only good things to come, that you've got good things on the horizon, uh, that plans are made, that uh, maybe simplifications going on, all the different New Year's resolutions that people can do. And I hope that they all just come true for you. Yeah, we hope this is a great year. I know there's a lot of folks that had a tough 17, so let's make 18 a great one. (laughs) Absolutely. This is Dr. Corey Allen alongside my wife, Pam, again. And we're just having straightforward, honest conversations about married life and sex and relationships and all that that entails. And one of the things we love having is uh, the voice of our audience, um, because Sexy Marriage Radio has been around for a long time now, and it's always been listener-driven radio to a degree. It's kind of the way we think of it, and that's usually been via email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. But also, late last year, we implemented a voicemail line, and you can call, leave a message that has a question, a comment, a topic, something you'd like to have addressed, and you could call that at any time, 214-702-9565, and that's how you get a hold of us. And if that might be something we even use it on the show, like we're going to be doing today, because it seems like when you're talking about New Year's and you're talking about um, just like a, a, a fresh start, if you will, like a reset, um, why not spend a little bit of time talking about the major things that, that are the pressures of marriage? Sure. A, a couple of the topics that are always the hot hitting. buttons, because research continues to show that uh, the main things people will fight about when it comes to married life is going to be sex, children, and money. And in-laws are in there, uh, interwoven sometimes as well. And so two of the voicemails we've got today are specifically on two of those topics. Yeah, yeah we're and, and they'll actually, we kind of bleed in a third one with it. <laughs> Absolutely. So here we go. Hi, Corey and Pam. Um, thank you so much for the podcast. I've really been enjoying hearing the two of you together and your fun married dynamic. And I just wanted to ask a question, actually a few questions. I heard you mention on the show today that you were married for 12 years before you had your first baby. And I didn't know that. Um, my husband and I were actually married for 10 years before we had our first. We thought we couldn't have kids. We were told we couldn't, so we just gave up on that idea. And then, surprise, um, we got a positive pregnancy test. So um, now we have a a four-and-a-half-year-old and a a 15-month-old, and it still feels like a shock sometimes. Um, Those first 10 years of our marriage just really kind of felt like a honeymoon. Um, We had week-long vacations every year, date nights all the time. Um, we, We just get along wonderfully, and love each other very much and still do, but obviously the dynamic is so different um, between pregnancies and nursing and babies and toddlers and headstrong four-year-olds. So our life feels a lot different now. Um, And I was just wondering, do you ever stop, um, or 
I don't know, have you experienced mourning kind of the loss of that life that you had before, or grieving that loss? Because we definitely experienced that as much as we love our kids. Um, we really miss that life. And I was wondering if, if you two ever stopped mourning the loss of that life and kind of looking back and and wishing you had that again. That sounds terrible to say because we love our kids and we wouldn't trade them, but it's hard. Um, and also... Um, my husband and I, we both shared the love language of physical touch. It's the number one for both of us. He's always been the high desire, but um, sex has always been a very important part of our marriage. But as you know, with the hormones of nursing and pregnancy and all that again, it really just takes a toll on a woman's body and um, and changes a lot of those things. And I still feel like I have that deep, deep down inside me, but it's, it's just still covered up right now. Um, and I did just stop breastfeeding finally, and we're done having kids. So I'm just ready to get us back on track to where we were before. But I'm wondering, is that even possible? Is that an unreasonable expectation for me to expect to be back where we were? Um, and if, is there anything that I can do to help us snap back more quickly? Because our marriage needs that snap back. Um, we're committed to each other, and we love each other so much, but... That's a big part that seems like it's been missing on and off for the last five years. So any tips you have would be great, like a challenge. Should we do something like that, or should we just naturally let it happen and be intentional? Just any advice you could give would be awesome. Thanks again so much for what you do. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thank you for the call because, first off, one of the things I want to jump on real quick is um, – just the statement early midway through the the, mail, the voicemail was how I miss the the life we had and how that can almost be seen as an indictment of I don't like my kids. So it's, you know we have to add qualifiers to things. Yeah, it's easy to do. And it so I, I makes love, you feel like a bad parent. I, I understand that, and that's I think that's a true uh, a struggle that's real. But I love the fact that um, we can have real conversations about this because I don't think that's mutually exclusive. Because I miss something doesn't mean I don't like what I have. That's right. So it's it's important to realize that um, – thank you for re- wrestling with that. And I want to at least say straight out, it's okay to miss something, and it doesn't mean you don't like what you have at all. So I, I want to at least explain that just because I think that that's the complexities of life. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't mean that you love your kids any less. I, I love my kids, but there's so many days that I'd like to get away from them. <laughs> Amen. Even if I just saw him, I just got home and I've seen him for five minutes. Yep. Wait, maybe I want to go back to work. Yep. Um, and I want to throw in a congratulations to you. Ten years in, you guys didn't think you could have kids. And Absolutely. boom, you had kids. Congratulations, number one, throwing that out there. That's good. Because that's pretty great. Um, Her questions. Right. The first one. So, so when we're talking about, um, there's a little bit of a difference from what she's describing to our experience, I think. Because... We didn't, not that we didn't wait to have, we, we intentionally waited to have children, but we didn't really know what we were missing <laughs> because because the first part of our life and married life together was just, we were just uh, young and immature and we didn't know vacations and we didn't know some of those different things until the last part of child life, childless life, childless marriage. And so I look back at it and think of it as, Okay, I don't know if I miss it. I miss some of the freedom, but there are some things that I think you can learn even in the midst of a new family dynamic that can capture some of it that you had prior. 
Okay. I guess I look at it a little bit different than you. Shocking. <laughs> so, yes, I really enjoyed the time without kids <laughs> beforehand. Um, we we um, we did a lot of things, and we look back now and think, wow, we should have done a lot more before we had kids. That's what I'm, point, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm talking about. There's a lot of things we realize now we didn't take advantage of, and we could have. But I can't say that there's been a mourning there. Um, there's, and a lot of that would be maybe because we have been really intentional about being able to take time away. And we've had some, some folks, you know, the grandparents live a couple states away and we've had this wonderful couple that comes in and swoops in and just says, Hey, can we have your kids for a weekend? So we take these respites and we take times to Mm -hmm. just be us. And, uh, for this caller, she's got when the kids are four and when they're and one, that is just, it can be an overwhelming time. Mm-hmm. You're it tired. Is. You're not sleeping the way that you have probably for about four and a half years now. You've not been sleeping right. Mm-hmm. Um, your sexual pull is being kind of sucked or drained away by the breastfeeding and the kids at your hip all the time. And, and that just, that just sucks it out of you. So I'm going on to, can we get back to where we were sexually? Yeah, you totally can. Okay. You've got to be intentional about it. I can't, I, you know, she asks, is there a challenge or something along those lines? I I don't know that there's any recipe for one couple. You've just got to be intentional about it and realize that we have seasons of life. Okay. That, that, that change the complexity, that change where each of us are individually. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Although I'm going to add a, a caveat to it because can you get back to where you were? No, I don't think you can. Well, <laughs> can you create? Different. It's going to be different. And I think that's the whole point is it's so easy for the human brain to, to compare what we've got versus what we've had. And when, and when those two don't line up, we feel like there's something missing. We feel like there's something longing, lacking, that, so therefore, that's that whole pool we have of how do we get back to what we had rather than, okay, how do I see this as this is a new season. I can bring semblances, nuances, characteristics of what we had into what we've got now. But like she mentioned straight out, the bo- a woman's body changes with, with childbirth. And a man's body ages and changes, and it's not as dramatic like when you're talking about just from pre-kid to post-kid for a man, but it's still the component of the dynamic is going to be different, but you can still be, just like you're saying, Pam, you can be intentional and you can create and capture or recapture even some of, the, some of those things that you had to where I think it comes down to outlook because... She's mentioning they've got two kids. It's the same thing you and I've got. Yeah. And so we've been very intentional of at times, especially as they've gotten older, I think we've tried to keep this real good mindset of it's us against them. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. It's a teamwork thing. So, yes. so we use that as allies for parenting to where we use each other's strengths uh, with, with each individual child. But we also use this whole concept of, no, 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 we, you and I as a spouse couple are in this together against them. And so <laughs> we've got, and I just mean that in the sense of we've got to maintain the spouse 
relationship. We've got to maintain the hierarchy of that. And I think that's where the shift can change on how you view it, where now all of a sudden it's this whole, okay, how do I steal time away from these guys, these little ones that are trying to suck me dry and wear me out and, and just, you know, I, I, I'm just totally spent at the end of each day to where I can use my spouse as an ally and a reprieve and a recharge. And so you get the opportunities of if you had the week-long vacations that she mentioned that they had prior. Absolutely. Well, you could still do that as a family. It, there's more uh, paraphernalia you got to take with you to do things like that. And it, and it can be a little bit of a struggle. But you could still do it with some intentionality. But you can also do the nights away, the weekends away, which I really recommend weekends away if there's at all possible of doing it. Because I think that provides a spark, especially if you know it's coming and then you get to live off the glow after it's come and passed. Right. Memories together and you can rehash those later on. Right. Because I'm married to a woman that um, she gets a lot of mileage out of looking forward to what's coming. Yeah. When I tell her, hey, let's go do this, and it's a month away, that gives her a spark. <laughs> Am I alone here? And the anticipation <laughs> no. isn't half of the excitement. I don't think right? you're, it's, I, it's just like foreplay. Right. The anticipation and the buildup. Right. And so I think if you, could, if you have the, the possibilities of, of uh, family members helping take kids for a weekend or a night, that's a good way to get a spark um, to maintain something. Um, that even if it's just in the same town, you know, if you can go away somewhere even better, but, um, she mentioned the sex challenges, which, you know, I've come across those several times, uh, in the blogging world and the podcast world where they do a seven day sex challenge, or even there's one out there that's a 60 day sex challenge. Yeah. You've done episodes talking about that. And right? we've, yeah, we've talked about that and uh, there's some couples that works really well. And so if you're both on board and you want to try to figure out how can we make this a challenge that we're going to make this an intentional part of our life for the next seven days or a month or whatever, go for it if it helps. I'm not, I'm not going to knock it at all, uh, but it's just, I think it's just recognizing um, one thing that comes to my mind, I guess, that just from listening and thinking back to the, the voicemail is, have you had this conversation with your husband about, hey, I really want to intentionally create a connection again, a spark. Yeah, yeah, because then, I mean, you've, you've talked about this in prior shows, when you, with the higher desire person, hey, I'm going to be coming at you, be prepared, right? right? That communication right. piece, that's kind of what this is of, hey, how can we come at each other? Right. And be aware that that's going to be happening. We're both going to try and up yep. our game. And and I like the idea that if, if since she's the one that called into the show and she's the one that says he's the higher desire, even though she's not a no desire partner, as it all sounds like, um, her even bringing it up to him of, you know what? I want this to be a priority again. I want this to be more intentional. I want this to be a spark that we can recreate again. As a high desire partner, if I hear that, that's going to get me charged on she's interested. She wants this too, because he could be in a scenario of he's watching her running rampant, going crazy, taking care of kids, nursing, all that. And he's kind of, he might be trying to be the chivalrous guy of, I'm just going to back off. I don't want to add more to your plate, you know, because that's, those are the subtle dynamics that can be at play. That's true. That's a really good point. And so maybe just having, 
a straightforward conversation about, hey, I called in to Sexy Marriage Radio, and lo and behold, they did a show on it, and listened to it together, and that can shift it dramatically, because now you both realize, hey, we are in this together, that mm-hmm. there is a a connection. There is a spark. There is a us against them. We can easily create. All we needed was the verbiage. Yeah. I I want to back up a sec because you talked about you can even take vacations together as a family, right? And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, so maybe this is a bit off the beaten path, but I'm thinking about how tired I was when the kids were four and two or three and five. Right. And our first trip that we took and we're in Vail, we're in a condo, and I thought I was going to lose my mind. I remember I, that. I was I was whipped, beaten down. I just felt like I was watching the kids. It did not feel like a vacation at all. And then you fast forward a few years down the road, mm-hmm. and the kids are more self-sustaining. The kids are more on their own, and I could relax. Mm-hmm. And vacation sex actually came back into play whereas mm-hmm. it didn't before and and I throw that out there to say again this is a season right. and you can't get your feet back underneath you and right. yes there can be that passion and it can get even better beyond where you were before so yes there's hope there absolutely for that. <laughs> there is and I, that's where I think that the intentionality of seeing this as Okay, I'm not going to let the fact that we have children totally determine what I can do with my life and my marriage. Because a lot of couples fall victim to that, that they think, okay, well, travel's out the picture. You know, I, we can't go out. We can't do nights out because we've got to be rigid on a bedtime or we've got to be rigid on this. And and I get it. There's seasons, especially when you got a one-year-old, that, yeah, that there's structure that's a priority and, and, is, and is important. But there is an element of... I firmly believe kids need to live life according to my schedule, just like I need to live life according to theirs. It's a give and take on both sides. It's not one person gets to rule it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. having the intentionality of even just remembering a trip to Vail that we that, that Pam and I had, and I remember that trip, and it was kind of, wow, that was not a vacation. But it laid the groundwork for the next time we went somewhere, it was better. Oh, yeah. Because we had already kind of set the stage. The kids got used to what a vacation meant and what, all, you know, the fun of a condo and the mountains and all the different things that we love. And they we found they loved it. And now all of a sudden you've got a joint story you're creating together that you've got to start somewhere with it. And that just comes with, you know what, I'm going to load up the truck and we're going. You know? <laughs> yeah, start and, creating that great journey. And that's the priority. So I think I, first kudos for... Um, the, the desire and the interest to recreate and to capture something. That's, that's huge. That, that, that says very, very good things about you guys. You're well on your way. Second is just have the conversation and just be upfront. Be, make moves. Set, set a plan. Um, try stuff out, realizing it may not work, but hey, what we're doing is we're figuring out another way not make a light bulb. And that's the whole point is we just – parenting and marriage to a large degree is um, – trial by fire. <laughs> so that's the truth. So some of it is you're going to try it out if it doesn't work. Okay. We'll come back to the drawing board. We'll try something else. And if you can keep that mindset of hey, we're in this together. I see that as a bonding of it. Perfect. All right. Well, it's moving right along. Now we've covered children. So, let's talk about money. Let's do. Hi Corey. Hi Pam. 
This is Cheryl from uh, Sexy Marriage Radio Academy. Um, just wanted to um, give you some questions. Um, Pam, this is directed to you since you are an accountant. Um, what is the best way that you feel couples should organize to mar- manage their money? As a wife, um, I would do all the buying. Therefore, at first, um, it was upsetting when talking about money. Um, we, at first, I mean, we didn't have a plan. We were fighting about money and then stumbled over the Financial Peace University after being led to our church. The concepts were easy to understand, and we had accumulated debt while in our first marriage, while we were single after a divorce, and while in our marriage. We merged three kids um, together to have our new family, and everyone was used to spending money on a different level, on different things, and it was a huge adjustment when we joined our family together. Now, after getting into the Financial Peace University program, our fights stopped for the most part, and we began to talk about how to control our money and not let it control us. So I think it's important that um, family get some tips from you how we can control our money and how to best get organized, especially for the new year. Thank you both. Have a good day. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Cheryl. Absolutely. And, and, well, you know, when we look at this, there's no one perfect way for any one family to do their money. Right. I'm going to start off by saying good job going to Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. The guru right now. He's the guru. (laughs) I don't know that I've got great tips for you above and beyond what Dave Ramsey can put out there because he's... He's kind of the man, and he's he's the king of simplifying it and just bringing it home to make it really make sense yep. for people who just either have no idea about how to take care of money or don't. some of them don't care, Hopefully, assuming they care by just going to the FPU classes. Right. But the first thing that you're already doing is talking about it. Yep. The first... You, with anything in your marriage or your family, you've got to start talking about it or else the elephant in the room is ne- is going to stay there forever. And just gets bigger and bigger and starts pushing everything else aside. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're dealing with a blended family here. So you already had separate habits, yep. whether it be for just stuff around home upkeep or routines or how you spend money or who you answer to for spending money. So talking about it is key number number one. Um, you know, I don't know how you guys do bank accounts. Corey's talked about this before. You know, early on in our marriage, we had one joint bank account, and I picked apart everything he spent. Um, I've grown up, and so has he. Now we have separate bank accounts that we both get to see, but we don't pick at each other all the time on it. Yep. So we've kind of done our own thing, but that's really that's really a marriage by marriage, a family it's by family. It's as unique decision. as the people involved, largely. It's, it's finding what works and sticking with it as as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to simplify one one suggestion for you, and well, I'm saying one suggestion. Go. Just have have some sort of plan. Okay. So 
for some people, that's a formal budget where they put it in QuickBooks or they have it in Excel and they're updating it all the time. That's just too much for some people. We're here at the new year and a lot of people say, I'm going to get control of my money and I'm going to take care of um, my financial situation. And then they get a month in, they're like, man, I... I don't want to keep receipts. I don't want to track this. I don't know how to do it. It's just totally overwhelming. If that's you, then my suggestion is just get the big ticket items. Okay. What's housing? What's food? What's entertainment? Because from what I see in my office and from what I see, um, you know, from experience, is a lot of the times people end up feeling either guilty for money they spent on themselves or they get mad at their spouse for spending money on things that they perceive as just entertainment or something like that. So you know sure. what? If just have a couple things like that that you say, okay, I'm going to set aside so much money each month and use that money to buy those things. So then you, if it's you that feels guilty when you're spending money, you're doing it guilt-free because you know that you guys have already agreed on Here's how much I can spend on this. Right. And you don't have to get on your spouse. Hey, we've agreed. Because they, they got the what, amount too. Here's what your money is that you've got for XYZ, whatever the hot spot is within your marriage. Set that money aside for the items that you know are the hot buttons. And maybe that's one way to at least re- relieve some tension there. Okay. And that's I like that because you're talking about the marital dynamic and and the way money plays out between you. Well, and that's typically the issue, right? Yep. Is that it's not money that's the problem; it's how we perceive the money. It's it, how we value it. Right. It's the meanings of it. Yeah. Because everything we fight about, we fight about the meanings, not the things. And ev- and money is one of those things that's got just it's littered with meaning. Because you're bringing into it whatever your family of origin meaning was, and then this in Cheryl's case, it's even from a first a prior marriage meaning, and then husband's bringing up his family of origin and a prior marriage possibly, and you know all these different things. So you got all these confluences of meanings that that are meeting, and of course you're going to have tension over this. Of course you're going to have struggle over this. And so if you can understand what's the meaning I've attached to this, now all of a sudden I think as a, on a marital level, you're starting to address what's really the tension between you much more than dollars and cents. Right. That's Yeah, that's exactly right. So identify what those hot buttons are. What it is, What is it about money that we typically fight about the most? And let's address that right. first. Right, because in, in, just a real quick example, because for Pam and I um, – this, you know, I've I've made jokes in the past about uh, being married to a CPA and how budgets just make that I don't like them and all these different and and, and most of that still to, rings true today. <laughs> I see the necessity of it, but I still feel like it's a killjoy. You know, it's it like, is. It, it bursts my bubble of of creativity and joy. And but one of the things that I've recognized is um, money, largely to my wife, especially early in our marriage, was security. Right. And money to me was a means to do things and, and to have fun and, and to go see things and to buy things and own whatever it was. And and so one of the things that was really interesting is is you look at through the life of, of, of our relationship, um, she would always say, well, if we could just save X amount of money, I wouldn't be so stressed out about this because I would know our future set and 
we would be okay and all that kind of stuff. And then what was nice is once we got to that point where we were actually saving money and we were getting prepared for the future, we were meeting all these needs and having everything. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Pam, you should feel safe. When she would start wigging out, I could say, hold on, (laughs) safety's in place. What are we wigging out about? (laughs) Right. And and it just allows each of us because then she challenges me to see it as, wait, I have to be thinking of ahead too. I got to see the importance of planning for stuff, of saving for things. Don't live on debt. All those kinds of things that my family of origin brought into this equation. And her kind of pushing me on this of no, I know you want to get this and I know it's probably good for us to do it, but we're not doing it yet. We're gonna plan for it and we'll get it then. And and that would drive me crazy because like, no, 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 that's why debt exists. And she's, no, that's not. And so it's both of us challenging each other. And that can easily be seen as a personal attack rather than personal growth. Sure. Because well, I think you're that's also allowing you through the 24 and a half years, I've also loosened up and said, you know what? It's okay to spend some money and have some fun. Right. Right. So it's just seeing it as. I mean, one of my professors in my doc program made a comment of he would actually encourage his clients to get money and have a conversation with it, you know, like get some dollar bills or whatever it was and fan it out in front of you and actually talk to it, you know, and, and, okay. and, and that's... because it's that's the power it has over. It's like it's another being rather than it's actually just a, a part of our life. It's not the God of our life. So it's it's mainly just to keep a perspective of what in the what is the meaning I'm placing on this line item thing, on this issue, on this aspect, on whatever. And so the more you recognize that, the more you can actually bring that to your spouse and say, This is what this means to me. And then you see if compassion and love and the different tools that Dave Ramsey's got and all the other things that are out there that are very beneficial, those are all those will all weave right into that. But until we understand our meanings, we're still going to have fights. Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. And even when you understand your meanings, you're going to have fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I say find out what your hot buttons are, each of you may have different hot buttons yep. when it comes to the money topic. And so you're going to have to address both of those and find out what the meaning each of you has behind that. And right. You may have to come at this from two different angles. No, I, I think you're going to have to come at it from a lot. And, I, and, it's, and it's usually just, okay, we, we tried that. We gained a little bit of ground, but we didn't resolve it. Because this, I, I fully believe money and the, and the power it has in marriage is not a thing that's going to ever be solved. It's a gridlock topic. It's just going to be one of those things we live through. And we grow through and you start to recognize because how often do we fall victim to, well, if I could just explain to my wife or my husband my meaning of this and then they understand it, that means they'll stop their spending habit that causes so much problems for this meaning. No, they still will. <laughs> they, they may limit it. They may shift it a little. They may alter it some. But it's, we don't, we're not going to be eye-to-eye 100% on this. And so I think it's just important to realize when you're looking at facing 2018 and money and children and sex and all the different things Sexy Marriage Radio exists to address, it's, it's seeing this as, okay, these are things that can be revealing about me. We can solve them when there's plans, there's Dave Ramsey, there's different challenges, different things for intentionality that will help. But what is this revealing about me? And the more I understand that, I think now I'm more 
on my own two feet to address it, to, com to confront it better, to explain it better, and then to grow. So, I don't know. Did you have anything else, Miss CPA, on best I ways with Excel I could talk about that for a long time, but I think I'd put everybody to sleep. I'm not, I'm not turning this into uh, Excel spreadsheet radio. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, that doesn't benefit many people. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make you hot in the bed. No, it doesn't usually. That's not that's not good foreplay. So, <laughs> well, um, if, if we left something undone, or if you've got a plan that works, that's, that's helped your marriage um, on when it comes to children or it comes to money, anything, please call us 214-702-9565 or send us an email feedback at sexymarriageradio.com because this is community that we help each other. So I want to say thank you for spending the, the first part of the year with us and look forward to all that's to come. Look forward to it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. We'll see you next time.